Welcome to the KDB Review Podcast. This is episode six of season eight, and I'm still Andy Davis. I say still because for all you know, I could be entirely generated by AI, and this voice you're hearing is simply a clever construct. Perhaps the KBB Review podcast is actually a precursor to Judgment Day, which, as you well know, is when Skynet becomes self-aware and launches a global nuclear war seeking to exterminate the human race and take over the world. I certainly hope that's not the case. Being a trigger for catastrophic human extinction would give this podcast a reputation almost as bad as Philip Schofield's. Yes, we're talking about artificial intelligence or AI today and what it may mean for kitchen and bathroom designers now and in the future. Is it going to take your job or is it going to be an invaluable tool that you can use to not only enhance your skills, but also your ability to give your clients what they want and more? We are very, very lucky to be talking to architect, interior designer and AI enthusiast Alan Crawford. Well, first... Do you want to receive all the latest news, opinion, analysis and features from KBB Review twice a week? Of course you do. You can subscribe to our newsletter and get it delivered straight to your inbox. And if you already get it, then why not sign up everyone else in your business and beyond? Simply go to kbbreview.com forward slash subscribe. So as I said, we're very lucky to welcome Alan Crawford to the podcast. Hello, Alan. Good morning, Andrew. How are you today? I'm very, very well, thank you. Now, for those under a rock, Alan, give us the... 20-second overview of your practice, how long it's been around for, where you're based, and the kind of projects you work on, that kind of thing. I've been in practice uh, officially since 1997. I, I was a partner in a previous practice before that, but I decided I want to go in, in my own direction um, around 1995. And so this year in March, we celebrated 25 years officially in business, riding the highs and lows of the roller coaster of uh, development. Uh, we have a, an office in North London in Muswell Hill. We're lucky we occupy a building that I designed and built about 20 years ago as well, overlooking Alexandra Palace, which is very nice. Mostly we do residential work across the board, and that can be from extensions, a lot of new build, one-off unique houses to small apartment blocks and mixed-use developments. And we've we've managed to you know maintain business over that period um, with a diverse range of work. So very experienced, very accomplished guy. And you know, I'm going to say this in the politest and and most complimentary way, Alan. You know, you've been around quite a while doing this, as you say. You're celebrating a very significant milestone there. You've seen everything come and go. Lots of different technologies come and go. Now we're going to talk about AI today, and you don't claim to be an expert on this at all. But I've got you on here today because you've been exploring the potential of AI, both for you, your practice, the profession. And I think this is your point of view on it is really interesting as someone who's, who's so experienced. So look, let's start with the basics. What are you defining AI as in this context? Because there's been elements of it around for years, hasn't there? So what's the difference between the new developments we're currently seeing and some of the predictive stuff that's been around in the past? I think the difference now is that the generative AI that I'm exploring is something that designers can work with. Previously, I think you had to have some skill in machine coding and computer uh, languages. There were elements, as you say, of AI written into some of the software packages that we use and, and we continue to use in the office, the 3D type of packages that we then create working drawings with. But new area of AI, it gives designers amazing opportunities to explore concept design very quickly. That said, I'm still an advocate for pencil sketching. And, you know, I encourage the young architect students that work with us to be 
very proactive in the way that they, they produce their initial designs. I don't like it when they necessarily go straight to a computer. I do try and encourage them to you know, use a pencil and a sketchbook. I like the idea that um, it's free-flowing and once a mouse is involved, it interrupts the, the process of brain to design the current ranges of AI software, I think, Andrew, um, they really free up the process again. So you're almost working with a pencil, but you're using words, which um, at the moment it's words. I, I think it will progress further. So generally, it, as you mentioned, I've been around for a while. So if I can use the AI and understand it, uh, current iterations of AI anyway, and enjoy it, then you know I would encourage anyone who is a little bit apprehensive to at least have a go, you know, and see what you think, because it's awesome. It is quite frankly awesome what it can do. Yeah, and I think it's very interesting to compare it to things like CAD packages, because, of course, there was a time when those things weren't around either. Uh, and when they were first introduced, I'm sure there was lots of people who, who you know, used their draftsman's pencils or whatever, who were thinking that the world was about to end then as well. I love that you're so open-minded about it. I think that's what's what's great about it for me, because I feel the same way. But I think many people, have we've hinted there, have seen this jump forward as a threat. And there are loads of head, headlines about how many jobs it will take, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that the optimism will spread as the applications of it become clearer? You know, that you could really see as a professional what, what elements of your job you can use it in? I think it will be slow to take off. I'm, I'm actually finding a little bit of reticence amongst the younger members of our team. I, I really encourage them. I mean, every day, you know, I'm encouraging them to try and get involved in it, mainly because I'm concerned that, you know, architecture and the qualification as an architect is a quite a lengthy process, you know, minimum seven years. But I, I, I heard recently from Reba that the average was around about nine or 10 years because more students are doing a year out and going off somewhere, you know, maybe exploring the world while they get the opportunity. And meanwhile, you know, Moore's law is, is speeding up computer processes annually. And AI is progressing with its efficiencies every month almost. It seems like a new version is coming out that's more efficient, faster, does different things. So... We still use the standard CAD packages in the office to develop drawings. But I think in the very close future, even that will change. So, you know, I would encourage anyone who has been reticent about getting involved just to give it the benefit of the doubt. You know, many packages can be downloaded free uh, just to, as a trial basis and just, you know, the weekend or something. Have, have a play around with it and, and see what you think because... I definitely think it's the way forward across all areas of design, not just architecture, interior design. Yeah, I think it's going to be that way in pretty much all professions. I mean, I have a running joke, which is, you know, that if you're currently a journalist working in the kitchen and bathroom industry, you should really think about learning how to fit a kitchen because that's where the work's going to be in the future. Because, you know, AI can't do that, not yet anyway. Let's look at the actual design work in particular before we move on to the more esoteric aspects of what AI might bring. Because, you know, when you're sat down at your desk and about to start a project, you know, you've literally got to get your ideas out of your head. What can or will AI do to help you at that stage, do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. And I'm actually exploring a range of ideas for using the AI to help me, mainly at concept design stage at the moment, because 
that's really where it is at the moment. That will change also, but mainly at concept design stage. So, for instance, we had an inquiry a month ago from a fashion designer who happens to own a building in North London and was pondering what to do with it. It's a two-story building. What I looked at was, this is an interesting use of, of the AI. I, I explored um, a view of the site on Google Satellite View, and I copy-pasted that view into the AI. It sounds complicated, but if I can handle it, it's not. The idea is all starting in the head, basically. And then what you're trying to do is, is, is get a, a translation of those ideas on the screen quickly. So I masked off the area of the building that I wanted to generate ideas on. And once I'd done that, I used various text prompts, you know, not very complicated, a couple of sentences, produce a contemporary five-story building in brick and large glass windows. And within a matter of seconds, the AI had generated four images on the particular platform I was working on at that point. Not all of them might be things that I could make use of initially. So I could choose one or I could reject them all and, and just reset the prompt and, and produce more images, which tends to be the situation. So I can explore, Andrew, I can explore 100 images, a 1,000 images, conceptual design images. And maybe I'll, I'll see one that actually, well, that's the idea I was originally thinking about in my head. It's not quite there. And then I focus on that idea and then I can manipulate the design further just by changing the position of words, adding in new words. There's a few easy to understand structured commands that you can use with the AI software as well. And then I get something that, yes, that looks amazing. And then I can show, you know, the guys in our team here. And maybe say, well, okay, see what you can do to model that in a normal CAD package. So that's just one area that I'm exploring at the moment. And it's a great area for developmental work up front. And I've just been using it at the weekend for another project where there's a supermarket that we're looking at. And the owners are thinking about redevelopment. It's, it's a single-story building with nothing on top. So again, it lends itself to this almost like create a satellite view, copy paste that into the AI, give it a text prompt of what you're imagining. In this particular instance, it's not in London, it's more in a rural area. And I was thinking, okay, maybe something arts and crafts. So arts and crafts style form part of the prompt. And, you know, within a few seconds again, I've got some imagery that I can begin to explore and work with. And the benefits of that are time. Obviously, time is, is a, a precious commodity to all of us now. If I gave the same brief with a few words to one of our uh, young architects, it might take them a day, two days, a week to come up with one or two conceptual ideas on, on the computer, CAD software, or even sketching it. So... You know, I think that's where it has its benefits. And, well, that's just one of the benefits. I, you know, I'm exploring others. It's like a brainstorming tool, effectively, is what you're saying there, isn't it? It's a way of kind of working through some ideas to quickly change things, to, to, to conceptualise something that gets out of your 
the jumble of your head onto a screen to go, ah, that's it, that's the kind of thing I mean. And it isn't too much of a leap to say, you're not that far away from them telling it to draw up a full CAD image of it either, is there? The idea that you could take that image and then immediately turn it into a, a CAD drawing that you could then manipulate in some way isn't that far off either, is it? You can suddenly see how all these things start joining up. Yeah, definitely. You're, you're spot on there, Andrew. I mean, I, w- I went to uh, an evening event at the Rock Art Showroom in London about two weeks ago, and there were a few aficionados of the AI, you know, they're building up reputations for themselves. Uh, and, and one of them, Professor Neil Leach, who's written books on the subject way before the AI that we're using now was around, was discussing exactly this, this almost like a one-stop shop where we go from concept design to being able to then produce from this 2D imagery that we're creating with the concept design, a 3D model that we can spin around and we can look outside, inside, which actually exists at the moment. There is AI software that we can use to do that. But then taking that forward to the working drawings packages that can be created from the 3D model to the final stages where if it's, say, off-site modular constructed homes, for instance, or 3D printed construction, the uh, working drawings are then transmitted into the final stage and, and used for the construction. And he was saying that this particular one-stop shop software is only three years away. big part of this is is about where you as the designer sit in the process. Because you're right, this saves an awful lot of administration. All that kind of stuff gets kind of shaved down all the time. So you would hope that that would give you more creative time. But one of the things that people have against AI is the idea that it could design the things itself and effectively replace the human's role in this kind of thing. So you could ask it to design a extension on the back of Victorian London house with a German handler's kitchen inside and it will do it, or at least get it 90% of the way there. Does it worry you this navigation of the balance between AI-driven design and human ingenuity? Yes, it does. It does definitely worry me. I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment called The Age of AI, which, you know, is firing off similar issues within the book. It's a collaboration of three well-known figures, Henry Kissinger being one of them, Eric Smith, who was the um, CEO of Google, and Daniel Hootenlocker, who's, who's a professor of one of the universities in the USA. They're highlighting all the ethical considerations, if you like, that you're just talking about. You know, will it steal our jobs? Will it take, take us over completely? And, you know, there, there are concerns. You only have to go on, online and, you know, you, you've read about the letter that was written by a lot of scientists and, and well-known dignitaries to try and slow down the process because one of the things that is being discussed a lot is how can we regulate this technology and we mustn't leave it too late to regulate it. The problem being is that, you know, the politicians are not really up to speed on what this software can do and um, they're only beginning to get involved now. So I do think that it will get regulated, but that might not come for another six months, possibly, as they work out how to regulate without disrupting progress. I think we live in a world where jobs um, change with every era. The Industrial Revolution brought on new areas of work. 
This is another revolution. I think it will bring on new jobs as well. I am concerned that we as designers uh, don't lose our role in you know moving forward. That's why I think we must get involved now, and that's why I'm encouraging the younger generation, as I mentioned, to at least make themselves familiar with what is happening. And uh, it might not be something that they want to do when it's a lovely sunny day out and we just had a bank holiday, you know, and they'd rather be maybe sitting in the pub having a beer or something. But I am concerned. And, um, you know, there are many books on the subject, uh, Andrew. Yuval Noah Harari is an interesting author. And, you know, he was saying in uh, one of his books, AI will know us better than we know ourselves. And, you know, it's getting to that stage now, quite frankly. But I think a lot of new jobs will be created. And I think we can use the AI to help our processes, not hinder them. But you need to get involved now and and we need to collaborate. I think that would be the great thing, you know, and especially in the design industries across the board, we need to collaborate. Well, creativity is a huge part of a designer's job and one of the best descriptions of ai that i've seen is it's absolutely astonishing but actually it doesn't know anything right it knows as much as a bag of crisps is the actual quote it is drawing its information from somewhere else and the only place it can get that information from is information that has been posted by humans there'll be a point in the future where it does have its own level of creativity but there's lots of stuff out there already that looks like it's been designed by a computer if you know what i mean most new build housing looks absolutely atrocious and it looks like it's been designed by a 12 year old using their laptop So if this does encourage a level of creativity in things, it can only be a good thing, as far as I'm concerned, if it is used in the right way as a tool rather than a solution, as as you've put it. What's interesting, I think, is its ability to learn and personalise what it does as it goes. That's one of the most fascinating things. So the more you, Alan Crawford, uses it, the more it learns your style and your thought process. So somebody else could ask it to design a extension on the back of a house with a German handler's kitchen in the style of Alan Crawford, and it would make a pretty good fist of it. Does that frighten you too, as a, as a guy with, with your name above the door of a, of a studio? No, it doesn't frighten me at all, because if I were to ask some of the younger designers that work with us, you know, I want you to design me a contemporary house of such and such a size in this context uh, in a, on a site in North London. Possibly, you know, some of them would get out uh, sketchbook and paper and, you know, come up with their own unique individual ideas. But more often than not now, I see, you know, designers resort to Pinterest, to Instagram, to, you know, a manner of websites for so-called inspiration. You know, so what they're doing is essentially what the AI is doing, you know, and there are issues around copyright, of course. But, you know, I think that's that's what designers tend to do now. They're looking at what won the last KBB design competition last year, or maybe we need to make our kitchen look a bit like that. Was it a curvilinear shape? Was it rectilinear? Was it, you know, whatever it might be? What materials are, you know, in vogue at the moment? You know, so they're searching... Um, or these these notable websites for that kind of inspiration. And again, that's quite time consuming. I'm not necessarily saying, you know, you, you, you put in your prompt in this in the style of uh, Zaha Hadid Architects, because one software package, DALI, DALI 2, as it is at the moment, was basically trained on Zaha Hadid Architects' uh, portfolio of projects. That's why when it initially came out, all the iterations of designs that you were seeing being produced 
or these uh, free-flowing phantasmagorical building shapes that, you know, maybe Zaha could build, but, you know, were almost unbuildable and hugely expensive, even if you could build. So naming uh, names of architects or designers will produce certain styles. Am I worried about it? Not particularly, because each design that the AI produces is unique to itself. You can reproduce it, but you need to use something called a seed, which is just a static way of generating a similar view or image. It almost saves a particular image and you can reuse that again. But generally, you know, each individual image is unique to the AI and nobody else could reproduce it, you know, unless they had your seed that um, is often unique. So no, I'm not really worried about that, Andrew. I think it will open up more opportunities and they do say that imitation is a sincerest form hmm. of flattery. One of the things I love about it, particularly in the visualisation bit, it make, makes everybody into a, a creative designer of some description. Anybody who says, I can't draw or I can't paint or whatever it is, is suddenly an artist, you know, just by prompting things. And it just makes everybody that little bit more creative, which I find fascinating. One of the other bits of AI, which isn't really talked about as much in this area, because we, you know, we talk about the visualisation of things, is the assistance it might bring in, in things like selecting products, materials, finishing, its, its ability to chunk through data is incredibly impressive. It could give you as many options as you want instantly. If you say, I, you know, give me 10 options for what that worktop should be or 10 options for what that window should be, it can immediately hone down, what again, what you've got in your head, can't it? Absolutely. You know, I recently did um, a series of kitchen designs and I've, I've been exploring this particular angle for over a year now. Kitchen designs from around the world. I started, I think, I think it was around March last year with the AI and it was the version of uh, the software I was using was version 2. It's now version 5.1. And it was quite basic, but even with the basic um, visuals, you know, I was controlling, I was asking it for specific materials, specific colors, and more importantly, specific locations in a simple, you know, one or two sentence prompt. And it was able to um, discern what I was looking for and coming up with, you know, different options on how the materials were put together. And in the locations that, you know, I was specifying, you know, I had the Caribbean location. So view over a kitchen in the Caribbean using, you know, natural wood and stone materials. In another, I, I, I went a bit more wild and it was overlooking Mount Fuji in Japan, and I, I wanted, I wanted a sort of crafted but more uh, free flowing design. And you know, I was astonished at what concepts that I was able to produce. And as designers, we almost like to claim these as our own, you know, and they, and they're not really. I mean, it's the AI producing these, and and then we work with them. But I, I, I almost liken it to in the old days, we, we had um, a, you know, a vision of what, as designers, we saw in our mind's eye as, as a solution to any given brief. And, you know, then how do you translate that? And, and it, it can be quite a time-consuming process. So to have this vision in your mind's eye and, you know, to actually reproduce that vision or something close to it very quickly, you know, with all the materiality, 
the views that you're looking for inside the building or towards the building with people or without people is quite astonishing. And, you know, you can use and explore these concepts to your heart's desire and it doesn't use up a lot of time, you know, and that's where I, I think I'm gaining benefit at the moment. You know, I'm inputting, we have several projects on at the moment. I've got an interesting project in the Middle East that I'm looking at in early stages, and it's for very large tensile structures, basically tents. And it's a project I worked on over 30 years ago without giving away my age. And the clients have just come back to me asking for either a revamp or an, a new design. And so, you know, exploring tensile structures, you know, fabric and, and suspended steel, beautiful structures that echo the, the, the sort of traditions and heritage of that part of the world is fascinating. And, and to produce these very complex shapes, I have to say, very quickly is mind-blowing and breathtaking. As you say, that ability to switch style, to switch product, to switch... I mean, it's just the whole thing is just so brilliant. And I think one of the real challenges of this is not how it's going to take all our jobs, but it's how we wrestle this thing under our control to get the results that we want out of it. One of the other bits of a designer's job that's so important away from the actual designing bit is is the communication you have with your clients the relationship you have with your clients and of course the collaboration you have with other professionals in the process the builders the fitters the product specialists or whatever can you see a role for ai in in that in how you communicate with people how you get these ideas out of their heads as well or how you get the designs and the renders and the, the suggestions over to them is there a role for it in that too uh, there definitely is. I mean, I mentioned the fashion designer that in the early throes of a project with. For that particular project, I mentioned the satellite views and exploring a number of different options on materiality, scale, massing. The site is next to a number of exist- existing buildings in quite an industrial location. Her brief was, I mean, it was interesting and it made me smile. Um, I'd like this building to be the next Sterling Prize winning building, you know. So, okay, you've set the bar very low then. And so what I did was I I put together maybe, you know, 50 of the selected images that I thought the AI had produced that, you know, echoed some ideas I quite liked. And I made a, a slideshow of them, again, using AI, added music using AI, et cetera. And I took them. I took this along and uh, showed her, and she was blown away, quite frankly, because you know I took it along a few days after I'd first met her. You know, she was amazed that something could be produced so quickly. But moving on from how blown away she was in her studio, she has the most amazing fashion design artworks that over her career she had you know, worked beautiful drawings. And and in the early days of fashion design, back in the sort of 60s and 70s, when she was at, you know, she was really just coming into her career, the drawings were produced sketch format, ink on wash, beautiful, you know, hand-drawn drawings. And they're actually works of art. I, I have a few at home from another designer that I know. But, you know, I said to her, well, actually, have you ever thought about using AI to generate your designs? And this particular designer specialized in beautiful leather outfits for celebrities, pop stars, etc. And I said, well, give me a give me a a day and I'll uh, I'll have a look at it for you and show you what it can do. And 
you know, the next day I sent her a bunch of amazing images that, um, you know, I'd worked on with the AI um, to produce. And they are almost photorealistic images that, you know, a photographer, I mean, here's the thing you're talking about, you know, how jobs might change. You know, a photographer in a studio might have taken a day, two days, a week to set up and, and, and run, you know, a series of shots. And within a day, I, within a, a few hours, I'd actually managed to produce various options and beautiful designs that, you know, could could probably be then translated by her, given to the people that fabricate the outfits for her and, and put into commercial production quite quickly. It's going to affect, as I said, all areas of design and the, the way that we use the AI's input at this particular point in concept design, I think, Andrew. I mean, you mentioned this word earlier, and I think it is going to come up again and again and again when people discuss AI, and that's ethics. You know, what are the ethical considerations in all this? Is there a need to have controls of some sort to make sure it's used responsibly and ethically in the design process? You know, is there a danger that anyone can use this to call themselves a designer? Particularly in kitchens and bathrooms where it's different if you're an architect, you know, you've got to have those qualifications and, and be a Reba member or whatever. But if, you, if you're just a kitchen and bathroom person who, who runs a shop, anyone can call themselves a designer. And this, this, these kind of tools just allow for that interpretation. I do think there is a, a slight danger. Um, I'm always entertained because, you know, I can see on some of the platforms that I go on uh, that many people are trying their hand at building design or interior design using the conceptual design tools. And, you know, some of the output that I'm seeing is, I, I find it quite hilarious, actually, in, on many of the platforms. Again, phantasmagorical ideas. So, you know, I think there will always be an element of that. In my profession, you know, there are people out there who do do a lot of work. They're not qualified architects. They may not be registered with ARB or RIBA, but they have created a career doing small work where they might not need to have a, an architectural, you know, they call themselves technicians or or something like that. So they may not be associated with a professional body. But I think working with the software, designers have a big advantage because they've been trained to, you know, look at things like scale, massing, materiality, you know, solid to void ratios, all the sorts of things that are so relevant to design. And, you know, they can, they can manipulate the outcomes of the AI much better, I think, than you know any you know anyone just who is untrained, let's say, who is playing around and creating buildings. I'm not saying that in the future it will be like that, and, but um, I think for the moment, you know, we do as designers have a huge advantage because we have the seeing eye. We can you know we can understand all that goes in to the process and the outcomes that we we really need to go to the next stage, let's say. So I'm not I'm not too worried about that overall, I don't think, Andrew. Yeah, and look, all these conversations are going to go on and on and on. And I'd like to see an AI use the word phantasmagorical, which you have done twice now, which is just phenomenal. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I've created a few phantasmagorical images myself. That's three times now. And um, it's interesting because... You know, if I was sketching ideas out that create these amazing shapes of buildings, it would be quite hard to, 
you know, draw and visualize quickly. And many of them are completely unbuildable and, you know, would be hugely expensive uh, as an undertaking. So what I'm really trying to do is get away from these amazing creations that are flooding the internet at the moment and actually using it for more down-to-earth project work. So, for instance, we have a, a project in uh, North London and it's to, it's to design a new house. It's not a big house, it's, uh, but it's, uh, it's next to a listed building and it's in a conservation area. And we've been in dialogue with the local authority conservation officer who has given us a bit of a steer saying, well, in my view, the design could go two ways. It could be a stripped-back, minimalist, small building designed as a house that is subservient to the main listed building, which is an arts and crafts style house, a period property, or it can reflect the arts and crafts style house in its intent, but on a smaller scale almost you know, like a coach house, maybe something like that that we used to see a lot of. So using the AI, what, what I've done is I've input some of our sketch, some of my sketches, just as sketches. And uh, I've then got the AI to use the sketches to produce stripped back minimalism and arts and crafts as different stylized forms. And I've done that very quickly. And the detail and the level of output is fascinating so you know it's not uh, it's not phantasmagorical it's actually coming up with amazing brick detailing pitch roofs timber structures and all the planting that the garden has where the site is in the um, output for the arts and crafts and then for the pareback minimalism again you know interesting contemporary design that um, we can borrow from so it's The concepts are giving us ideas that we can quickly borrow from. I'm not saying it's going to take away the creativity of the individual because, you know, I might have these ideas in my head already, as I explained, but translating them very quickly and then using what the output provides is a big bonus, you know, because time is a precious commodity in all businesses. Well, look, we could talk about this for hours, couldn't we? And I think it's all so interesting and it's going to be so fascinating to see where it goes in the future, but it's going to affect the planet. It's going to affect how we work in in pretty much all aspects of life. But it's not as important a question, Alan, as our final one. It's the big one. It's the one we've been asking of all our guests all season. And that is, what is your baked potato filling of choice? Well, I'm a big fan of baked potatoes. Uh, I must admit it, it would be something that I would definitely go to maybe um, on the odd occasion, especially after a bit of exercise or something like that. But my potato filling of choice would be um, cheese and coleslaw. You know what? When we started this particular hot debate, I thought it'd be a straight run between the cheesy beans and the tuna mayo. I would never have put coleslaw in there, but lots of people do. I don't know why. It's horrible. But it's it seems to be a real thing, coleslaw on a potato. But, you know, fair enough. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. If, if that's your thing, then that is your thing. Some people just have no taste at all, do they? I've said it before. There's only one answer to this question. That is cheesy beans with Worcester sauce. That's the only option that should have. But for some reason, coleslaw's made it in there. But, you know, you just can't control people, can you? Look, Alan, thank you so 
so much for all your time today. It's so, so interesting. You know what? I suspect if we have this conversation in a year's time, it will be completely different again. So we will monitor what happens next and keep in touch. For sure. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was Alan Crawford, and I love talking about this stuff. So much of it sounds like science fiction, but it's becoming fact quicker than any of us can contemplate or probably keep up with. It's so interesting and scary in equal measures, and a topic I'm sure we'll revisit again and again. Don't forget to subscribe to the KBB Review newsletter if you don't already, and if you do, then recommend it to all your colleagues. Simply go to kbbreview.com forward slash subscribe. See you next week.